Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Daily Tennis Podcast, where we are live from the Aegon Championships here at the Queen's Club. Murray, Vavrinka and Raonic are all out of Queen's in a day full of upsets. I felt good coming in and then obviously didn't, didn't play how I would like today. I just wasn't efficient in those moments. I, I didn't come out and I wasn't the player I needed to be today. Jordan Thompson, Tanasi Kokonakis and Feliciano Lopez provided the shocks. When I spoke with Kokonakis, he gave all us club players a reminder that it's okay to be nervy. When the crunch time kicks in, you get nervous, but I was kind of nervous from, from zero. I think I sprayed my first two forehands and nearly hit the back fence. I'm Catherine Whitaker. I'm joined by Gigi Salmon on the daily tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. Gigi, it has been a dramatic old day at the Aegon Championships, hasn't it? Well, it's, it's always the way. Um, a little bit speechless after today. When an upset is in the making and it happens you get quite excited whoever it is because it's an upset and then when everything settles down you think right okay so that actually means they're not going to be here tomorrow or the next day and they're out of the tournament then you start to think well that's that's not good you can see both sides of it but to lose the top three seeds Andy Murray Stan Wawrinka Milos Raonic in the first round it's huge it is huge I should probably clarify for you where exactly we are recording this tennis podcast from because you're probably experiencing a little bit of ambiance joviality joviality at the moment (laughs) we are courtside right by the side of the centre court here at Queen's which means we are next to the clubhouse which means we are in the proximity of a lot of jovial Queen's Club members lots of people that are a lot happier than Stan Wawrinka Milos Raonic and Andy Murray so let's start with Murray he's the world number one he's the defending champion it's the biggest shock in a day of plenty of shocks he was beaten by Jordan Thompson 7-6-6-2 Jordan Thompson only found out he would be playing the match as a lucky loser a couple of hours before after Aliash Bedne pulled out with a wrist injury I mean, that felt like a drama at the time and we had no idea what was to come, did we? No, absolutely not. I mean, there are still some people saying, well, who exactly is Jordan Thompson? He's a young guy, he's Australian. He he came to prominence, really, I think, for many Australians in the Davis Cup at the start of this year when Leighton Hewitt picked him because Bernard Tomic said, look, I'm not available to play. He took his chance. Davis Cup played out over five sets. He won his singles rubbers and really stood up and made himself counted. But should he have pushed the world number one and defending champion should he have gone on to beat him in straight sets probably not and the difficulty is when you speak to these players it's so soon after the event 
you don't really get the answers because you ask the question, why did it happen? Why did you lose? What went wrong? And they're saying, well, I'm not really sure. I can point to a couple of moments within the game and things that maybe I did or didn't do. But I think if you're putting it very simply, Jordan Thompson was the better player today and the better man won. Yeah, we, we should say that. First and foremost, Jordan Thompson played brilliantly. He played a very, very smart match, I thought. Yes, Andy Murray didn't play his best, but Jordan Thompson exploited the ways in which Andy Murray wasn't playing his best. He played a really smart grass court game. But yeah, the first two questions to Andy Murray in his post-match press conference, the first one was um, about the fact that he didn't have much time uh, to digest the fact that Jordan Thompson would be his opponent rather than Aliash Badene. He was, he was asked, do you think that was one of the reasons why you lost today? And he said, no, I actually had a lot more time um, than you think because Badene gave him the heads up earlier on in the Just day nice that, it, that it was possible um, that he would be pulling out so he had some time to do watch some YouTube clips of Jordan Thompson so he said it wasn't that and then the second question was um, so what was it? What was the reason you lost today? And he said he played better than me <laughs> and that's that's the bottom line is it? And in terms of further analysis beyond that he doesn't know yet you know he gets fired with all these questions why is it not working why aren't you playing like the world number one why aren't you playing like you were this time last year what's happening what's going wrong when's it going to start going right again and he's like I don't know I'm doing everything I can to try and make it go right I have to believe it will sometime very very soon I have to believe if I keep doing the right things and working hard it will go right but I don't know. And they are the questions, though, that the journalists have to ask because they have to write up the stories. This is a major story. It's his earliest exit here since 2012. He's the five-time champion. He's the defending champion. He's going into the defence of his Wimbledon title. So they have to ask these questions. He knows they're coming. Even the question came and I asked him the same question. But does he know what he will do between now and Wimbledon? Normally, he would hope a long run here. Then he'd get to those grass courts at Wimbledon that play a little bit different to here, a little bit early, get used to those, and off we go. So everyone asks the question, wants to know... So what's the plan now? And he said, honestly, I don't know. I have to sit down with my team tomorrow and I have to figure out what's best for me in the build-up to the defence of his Wimbledon title. He wouldn't rule anything out, would he? He said all the cards are on the table. Playing an exhibition uh, between now and Wimbledon is a possibility. Entering Eastbourne is a possibility. Doing nothing at all and just practising on the grass courts of Wimbledon is very much a possibility as well. He genuinely didn't know. He hadn't had a chance to think about it yet. I personally think the biggest likelihood is that he'll just play an exhibition. I think the grass courts Wimbledon is sort of specific enough in the way they play they're slower than they play here at the Queen's Club that he will just want to keep practicing on the grass keep playing practice sets and maybe get a competitive set or two in with an exhibition match but it wouldn't surprise me massively if he just took a chance and entered Eastbourne like Novak Djokovic has said he's considering doing I think on the balance of probabilities he won't but I don't think it's wildly unlikely. Sam Vavrinka showed in Geneva that uh, entering a uh, tournament before a Grand Slam, the week before a Grand Slam, although it's not widely done by top players, it can work. So yeah, there's a template for it to work. It would just be, it would be a big departure. People were speculating after he lost early uh, in Rome to Fabio Fanini, Andy Murray, whether he would enter a clay court tournament on the eve of the French Open. In the end, he didn't do that. So I don't know. We, it's all speculation, isn't it? Murray didn't have any answers for us. We don't have any answers. But, you know, we're a tennis podcast and we're here 
to speculate. And so, say that when Rafa Nadal lost in Rome, they said, well, are you going to enter a tournament next week for the French? He said, no, I'm going on a boat and I'm going fishing. Because <laughs> sometimes just having a bit of downtime helps. But on the flip side of that, he had already stormed through the clay court season. For Andy Murray, probably does need a little bit more competitive tennis. But I like the question asked to him. So he was a qualifier. He came in as a lucky loser. Does that give him an edge? And we always talk about that because they've had a few matches, competitive matches on this surface. And he said, well, if you're saying that, then every tournament you enter, a qualifier <laughs> is going to win a couple of rounds. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? He comes fairly quickly when he loses. And if they're big losses, he comes fairly quickly into press. He hasn't had a lot of time to process things. He probably hasn't spoken to his team. The press get this over the tannoy. Andy Murray's impressed. Charge up there. The questions we know they're going to ask, he knows he's going to get asked. It's difficult to get answers. And I think it's now just watch this space to see what happens but I was lucky enough that following the press conference I got to speak to him about the loss and maybe it's a predictable question but I did ask him I know he hasn't had a lot of time for things to sink in lots going round in his head but how does he reflect on what happened against Jordan Thompson disappointed I think you know the first set was was close um middle part of the tie break was an, obviously a very important part of the first set um, and I, I made a few mistakes uh, when I was ahead 3-2 serving and then second set you know he, he played better I had the, the chance to, to break early I had low 40 and you know missed a couple of returns and, and missed quite, quite an easy forehand on the, the third break point and he converted his, his chances and you know last last couple of games he played very well Due to play someone, then it turns out it's someone else at quite short notice. How disruptive is that, if at all? Maybe it's unsettling, maybe it doesn't change anything. Um, well, it, sometimes you can find out 20, 30 minutes beforehand, you know, that your opponent's changed or that someone's withdrawn. But, you know, we found out five, six hours beforehand when I was warming up, um, you know, about, you know, 12 o'clock. So... The, that that was no issue really going on to court. I had enough time to you know go over the the game plan with my team and um, you know look at the some some videos of them and playing. Um, so that that wasn't wasn't any reason for me to to lose today. I know people always ask you this, but can you put your finger on? Do you have an idea of what maybe has changed from the start of this year when results haven't been where you would have liked them to be? Does it come down to something that? you're doing or isn't happening is it confidence does that play a part in it yeah i think a lot of things go go into i mean obviously winning matches is you know the most important thing to, to building confidence and you know the early part of the year kind of from march through to really through until the french open I, you know i didn't win and didn't play too many matches so you know that didn't help but Obviously, I had a good French Open, had a good preparation here, and felt good coming in. And then, obviously, didn't didn't play how I would like today. Um, and that's something that you know I'll speak to about my, you know, about with with my team. Um, try and work out the the reasons why, and then get back to work and prepare for Wimbledon. Is it too strong a word to say it's damaging ahead of going into defence at Wimbledon? Do you feel this could be damaging or not? We'll find out in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure many people will have different different opinions. You know, I, I've played very well here generally over the years, and I feel like that's helped me at Wimbledon. Um, you know, one of the, the years when I lost in the first round here, I also went on to actually play very well um, at, at Wimbledon. Some guys have gone in not playing any matches um, in the build. Novak's done that a lot the last few years and, and won Wimbledon um, a couple of times. It's, um, 
you know, everyone has different ways of preparing. Obviously, I would have liked to have got more matches here, and I believe that would have helped me at Wimbledon. But there's no reason why I can't still have a, a great Wimbledon. Um, I still believe that. And I know finally you've got to sit down with your team and work out what happens between now and Wimbledon, but would you consider entering another tournament, entering an exhibition to get a few more competitive matches? Yeah, there's potential for that for sure. Um, again, obviously I haven't given it a lot of thought, but you know, there's a, a good chance that I want to play a few more matches um, before Wimbledon. Um, I do like to, to try and get on the courts over at Wimbledon early because they're they're a bit different to to the ones here and you know being based um, in and around London and playing one of the ex exhibitions around gives you a chance to practice there and also get some matches not not too far away so um, I'd say there's a, a decent chance of that. Uh, so that was Andy Murray talking to Gigi after his loss to Jordan Thompson today. We will talk about Jordan Thompson and we'll hear from him, but just one final talking point from Andy Murray, uh, one final bit of um, superfluous speculation, if you like, Gigi. What we've got written on our running order here by our very uh, wise producer, and han he's saying handsome, wise and handsome producer Dave, is the <laughs> entirely hypothetical question, what would the score have been in this match? if it had been the November Murray playing it. Now, I know November Murray was playing on indoor hard courts uh, and not under the beating sunshine on a grass court at Queen's Club, but that Murray, in terms of confidence and physicality and aggression, and what would the score have been? It, it's hard. I, I know we're speculating, but it, it's a whole world away, isn't it? I, I asked him in that interview about confidence and what's different and, and what's changed. But look at the run he went on from Rome last year to get the world number. He swept up the second half of the season. He dominated everything and anyone that was in his path. And, and for some reason this year, that's not happening. What would the score have been if he played him? Jordan Thompson probably wouldn't have stood an awful lot of a chance, but many people would have said that ahead of this meeting, even Jordan Thompson himself, to beat the world number one on grass at Queen's. Yeah, that's the biggest one of my career. Yeah, and he did all the right things, didn't he? He served superbly, and Andy Murray couldn't get any kind of rhythm, and that's exactly what you, what you want to do to somebody who's a bit low on confidence and a bit low on match practice on a surface. Just, like, give them no opportunity to develop any kind of rhythm. Andy Murray loves rhythm, doesn't he? And he loves to be the one taking away other people's rhythm. But uh, Jordan Thompson served impeccably, played some really sort of slicey, dicey, smart grass court shots, kept the ball low, just made Andy Murray really, really uncomfortable today. It was a very smart game of tennis from Jordan Thompson. And I think we should probably hear from the man on the moment reflecting on, as you say, Gigi, the best win of his career. Uh, played really well, um, served served great, um, got a lot of free points, um, and gave myself every opportunity in the rallies and uh, didn't make too many errors, so it was, yeah, it was a good day at the office. Yeah, I was just signed in for the lucky loser spot, um, there weren't too many matches yesterday, uh, but I hung around, um, uh, if someone was going to pull out I was always going to be there, I knew I was the, the next one in. And then this morning I just booked my transport, planning on doing the same thing, just signing signing in, waiting around and... Um, yeah, pretty much when I got here, um, uh, someone pulled out, and uh, yeah, I got, got to play Andy. When I when I heard I was playing Andy, I was just pretty nervous, but um, yeah, I just wanted to go out there and enjoy it, and you know, I just did everything usual. I warmed up, had some food, and got ready to go. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Go out there. So that was man of the moment, Jordan Thompson, who was one of two Aussies to surprisingly win through today and actually he stole the limelight rather from his compatriot Tanasi Kokonakis who pulled off what really should have been the shock of the day the surprise of the day the story of the day uh, on the match before that one on centre court he beat the third seed Milos Raonic uh, how did he do it? he did it 7-6-7-6 seven, six, seven, six. it was a fantastic performance for someone who's played so few matches to come through in two tie-break sets really doing it the hard way Boy, he was impressive. Yeah, he, he really was. And it was interesting, I was watching one of his practice sessions with Andy Murray and Kokonakis was really unhappy with his practice session. He was saying to his coach, I'm not happy with how I'm serving, I'm not happy with how I'm hitting the ball. And he was really unsettled the day before this meeting with Milos Raonic. And Milos Raonic said, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised because I watched a lot of his matches. He found videotapes of them. He was looking at it. He's saying, I'm surprised he hadn't done more since the injury because he's such a good player. There's a little bit of the unknown quantity. We know the potential that Kokonakis has got and so much was said about him. But the poor guy is struck down with so many injuries that he fell behind a large group of the players. Yeah, that's the thing. We're not talking about injury. We're talking about injury upon injury upon Awful. injury. And he's talked so well about how the most frustrating thing about the road back was that he would rehab one injury and every time he thought he was over the hump and getting back on the road to recovery, another one would come along. And I, I can only imagine just how frustrating. And you see those players that you're playing with and you're on tour with and suddenly you're not on tour and you're rehabbing and you're watching them and that part of your life is suddenly put on hold. And how frustrating is that at such a young age? And then there's people in the press saying he'll never come back, he'll never fulfil his potential, there's too many injuries. All these things you have to deal with, it's such a 
ridiculously young age, but he did play so well. To come out against Milos Raonic, he's got Mark Knowles in his, his camp, and he said he's a guy I like to listen to, I can learn from finalists here last year. He'd finally cracked that grass court demon and got to those two finals on grass last year. I mean, hugely, dis- he was very philosophical in what he said post-match Milos Raonic because that's the type of guy he was, but he will have been really, really disappointed with that defeat. Yeah, he was disappointed, but he does believe uh, the match could have gone a different way if he'd played the bigger points better. Here he is. Last year, the first match here was quite similar. I had a few opportunities in the beginning of the match, didn't convert them, and then sort of stuck my way and found my way through. Today, I just didn't find my way. I had uh, more opportunities than I I felt should have needed. I just wasn't efficient in those moments. I, I didn't come out and I wasn't the player I needed to be today. A few of them he came up big, but the ones I even had, uh, I was a bit too passive. Even just as the match uh, went on, there was plenty of moments where uh, I really didn't have any issues at all on my serve. And uh, in those moments, I, when he was serving, I felt just a little bit too passive. I was letting him dictate too much and uh, I wasn't I wasn't really trying to even holding that easy I should have been a lot more disciplined with myself even if I lose the points earlier to start hitting the ball a bit more aggressively. So that is Milos Raonic. a shame to see last year's finalist go out at this stage a real shame for him we know that Milos Raonic is somebody that's very very hard on himself he sets himself goals and he very much expects himself to achieve those goals and going out in the first round here most definitely won't have been a goal for him this year so the box won't have been ticked and Milos Raonic won't be very happy with that will he because he is a professional box ticker he's an achiever isn't he he sets himself goals he makes sure he gets them done and he moves on to the next one he's a perfectionist I was watching him the other day sounds a little bit creepy and it really wasn't (laughs) we were just sitting at the table next to him in the players lounge and the food here is absolutely fantastic for the players it's all done so they can do what they need to do but he didn't he had five little boxes little Tupperware Mm. boxes and he opened each Tupperware box and took a little bit out and put a little bit back in and and a little nibble here and a little nibble there what you mean the wonderful Queen's Club player lounge salad bar was not good enough for him no we we were happy to demand that, but Milos Raonic oh, had the Tupperware boxes the salad of the and year. just took a little bit out of little things and just ate tiny he's such a big guy, tiny little I mean this guy is, he will do anything and everything to maximise every ounce of talent within his body and as you say, this is, this is not part of the game plan, I think a little bit stunned by Tanasi Kokonakis, but he can also appreciate the talent that is Kokonakis and, and a slight unknown quantity because we didn't know how he would perform coming back after such a long time out. Absolutely and he spoke so um, beautifully Beautifully about how grateful he was and is Kokonakis for the wild card that he received here. I know, I know, you know, we're reporting for the championships, so you know, we're not going to say bad things about the choice of wild cards. But Stephen Farrow, um, I have to say, has, has gone out of his way to be supportive of Tanati Kokonakis. He's kept in touch with him over the last two years, over the 22 months that Kokonakis has been out of the game. He believed in him when even Kokonakis didn't believe in himself. He admits that there were times when he considered giving up the sport. And on that note, I think we should probably hear from the man because he speaks about the whole experience far better than I can. So here he is talking about what a big win this was for him today. This is massive, um, not just for me, but for my team around me, my family. Um, seeing me kind of go through through all that time, 
um, struggling a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, good cherry on top, as they say, um, for the win and all the hard work. Despite having played so few matches recently, you looked pretty nerveless in the final game there. Is that really the case? No, it's not the case. I was definitely nervous. Um, I was nervous from the start as well. Usually when, when the crunch time kicks in, you get nervous, but I was kind of nervous from, from zero. I think I sprayed my first two forehands, nearly hit the back fence. So I was like, this, this is not looking good. But luckily, as the match got on, I settled in. I think I played a better second set. And I know you mentioned in your post-match interview on the court, just off the court, that you're really grateful to Stephen yeah. for the wild card here. Yeah. He's somebody that's really believed in you over the last couple of years, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been he's been huge. I'm not sure why he's believed in me, but um, I don't know. He's a, he's, a, he's a champ. He's a good guy. And uh, from the from the moment I came here uh, two years ago and I had some struggles with flying back with some family issues, um, he was huge for me. Um, and he's he's been real supportive every week. I'm there. He sends tweets out. He's just he's just been a good guy. So yeah, really really thankful for him. There have been sort of rumours circulating over the past 22 months that you've been out that you'd considered giving up altogether. Is there truth in those? Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you hit you hit a lot of points where you're like, well, why am I doing this? Um, a lot of points where I thought maybe a lot of people told me I needed another another surgery with the shoulder and, and stuff like that. And then once I felt like that was that was going well, then something else would a long-term injury with something else would would occur and I was like, man, what, what am I doing this for? I might as well get a degree or go to uni or do something like that and, and follow, follow what my brother and dad do. But uh, this is what I've been doing from such a young age and I really don't know um, any better. So uh, it kept cracking away. Uh, so that was the very warm and charming and heartwarming uh, Tanasi Kokonakis. He's a very good news story for tennis, the fact that he's coming back. He's not planning too far ahead. He doesn't know if his body will let him down again. He's just pleased to be on a tennis court day by day and we are too he now plays Daniil Medvedev a fellow hashtag next Jenner this is turning into I know we're sort of searching for positives on a day when all of the top seeds have crashed out and all of the big stories have crashed out but um, the subplot of these Aegon Championships 2017 is the sort of next-gen championships, isn't it? We've had Stefan Kozlov winning through today, Tanasi Kokinakis, Daniel Medvedev, and of course Denis Shapovalov winning through yesterday. It's, it's been a good old tournament for those next-geners, hasn't it? It really has. Uh, the next-gen are arriving. I know we don't call Dominic team next-gen because he's 23. and He's that he's, awkward middling-gen, isn't he? He's a bit old. Yeah, he's middle. So we've got next-gen, middle-gen and nearly gone-gen. Yeah, there's the round, round it's gen. a Raonic team. Nishikori Jen, that yeah, hasn't quite Dimitrov, happened yet. Jen, Dimitrov team, Raonic Nishikori are a Jen. But I, I would almost they put, just didn't get I'd a hashtag. Put team in a Jen of his own because I think Dimitrov, Raonic, Nishikori are. We're not so sure what's happening here, Jen. And I think Dominic team is hashtag going to make it, Jen. Dominic team's just I'm taking my time, Jen. But I'm going to do it, Jen. But I will it's do it. It's quite a long hashtag for Dominic. Are you and saying Dimitrov, Nishikori, and Raonic aren't going to do it, Jen? I don't <laughs> think... It's all okay if you put Jen on the end. No <laughs> yeah. one can quote you on it's it. It's all okay, Jen. Yeah, you can't, you can't put that in a quote because I, I it'll just look I, weird. I would just put... I think team has possibly got more ahead of him than the other three. I still think they are hugely successful. They will continue to be hugely successful. But I think team... I think team's a little bit special. But he's not quite next gen because he's just a couple... Of, that was 21 and under at the time. So he's getting his own gen. Okay, so Dominic Team has his own gen. The next gen are a gen. The um, the blue, the wooden blue. Uh, what do you call the sort of physical hashtag 
next gen ATP. The ATP are obviously here this week doing. Gigi is looking at me like I'm nuts. You have seen this thing. It's sitting in the press office. A physical sort of placard, a 3D placard of ne- hashtag next gen ATP that all of the next gen players are being photographed with around the place. It is a thing. I'm going to take a photo of it and put it on the Tennis Podcast Instagram page and you're all going to look silly just the way you're looking at me at the moment for look, looking silly. Yeah, hashtag move on, Jen. It's a thing. It's hashtag. a big hashtag. <laughs> the ATP would dis- be disappointed in both of you. They've spent years building up hashtag next gen. No, I know all about the hashtag next gen. They just haven't seen the 3D blue thing I'm just saying they have the immortalised that hashtag in physical form. Ah. I've seen players being photographed with it. Hyung Chung is around the place. I've seen him, but he doesn't... I'm not sure why he's hanging around. Because he's with the 3D blue thing. He's, yeah, he's just having his photo stuff. taken with this thing, which I but promise I you think, exists. Should we move on? I do think the hashtag NextGen and the NextGen finals in Milan in November, the week before the tour finals at the O2, where they're going to try a few different things. I think it's a, f- a fabulous, fantastic concept. Sasha Zverev is, is way out in front. Look, he may even qualify for the O2 and then I, I'm sure that would take precedence but it's wonderful for these guys coming up to have this competition amongst themselves of winning these tournaments getting those points and possibly getting a top 8 spot because now we're seeing them come through we're now seeing them come up it's really exciting to see these players and having the next gen finals in Milan it, it's something for them and us to aim for yeah exactly I, I think I, I completely agree and I, I like both sides of it I like that there's the sort of next gen competition and that in itself is exciting you know to showcase the next gen players and I also like that they're using it um, as an opportunity to trial some things I don't think all of them will work but I like the idea of trying things and throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks because yeah. sport is not just tennis all sport can be very guilty of being reluctant to change and everything and I think just being open to it is a very good thing yeah. but we should probably talk about <laughs> given that there are so yes. many shocks today we should probably talk about Stanford Rinker because he lost as well again at the Aegon Championships he just can't find his feet on grass can he it's, it's, but it is we've talked about the shock that wasn't a shock but well, yes I know who he is and exactly. where he is in the rankings he's, and what he did in Paris but he's gone third on our list of shocks for the day hasn't he and because that's not an act- it's partly because of who he played he yeah. played Feliciano Lopez a former finalist here lost to Grigor Dimitrov in the final didn't he in 2014 and uh, finalist last week as well look great grass court player very experienced player it's you know that's a big factor in what happened today but still the body language of Stan Wawrinka for me was one of a guy that really had high hopes that this would be the year that he got onto the grass and he thought yeah this is going to be the year that I find my feet on grass and I make it work and and then he got there and it was like oh no, it doesn't feel right. I don't like it. And sort of, oh, maybe this isn't the year. And maybe this is why I don't see him winning Wimbledon in his career because I just don't think he's got the confidence or the belief. And he's got. He the didn't other look three. like a man with confidence or belief but, but on but grass I today. I have I to say, know. you were proven very, but very right. I don't right. know when he's going to get it because of the age he's at. And I'm not saying he's finished. He got to the final of the French recently. He's the current US Open holder. He's got three of the four Grand Slam titles to his name. He's got a Masters 1000 in Monte Carlo. He's a fantastic player with the skill set. But for me, it's his belief when he goes out onto the, cru- the grass courts. He doesn't have that belief. He brought in Paul Anacone. And I thought. The interesting thing was there, Magnus Norman knows Stan Wawrinka inside and out, and he knows Stan can be very, very good and very, very bad. And he's admitted, I do not know which Stan is going to turn up on the court that day. It is how Stan is, and it works them. Paul Anacone, <laughs> he's new to the setup, and he was courtside thinking, 
right, okay, I don't... Yes, I know he, he was playing against someone who's very experienced. He was quite literally scratching his head, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, was he was kind of... I don't, I don't really get this. And, and we were all kind of thinking, well, you maybe should have got this because this is possibly what can happen. And Lopez would have come in with so much confidence. Yes, disappointment losing to Luca Puy in Stuttgart, but so much confidence from getting to that final. But Paul Anneke was like... Okay, right, I see the challenge yeah, ahead of us This is here. what I've this signed up for. This is Stan on grass, oh, is it? Right. But, you know, of course the skill set's there. Of course he could turn things around. Of course he could win Wimbledon. Could, I, I personally, could, could, I just could, don't it? think that belief in Vavrinka is there, that he can translate his game to the highest level on grass. I have to say, you're convincing me, Gigi. He convinced me today. You're convincing me. <laughs> but maybe we should talk about the players who are left in the draw and the ones that are playing on Wednesday. Uh, and who's going to be the next victim well, of I like, the dropping of seeds like flies? I like an upset, but I think I'm done for a few days now. I would like a fairly straightforward day tomorrow. I well, then like I to put see. to you, what would you consider an upset out of Viktor Troitschke against Donald Young? I'm not sure there is an upset there either way. No, I, I, either of those coming through... You're, you're happy either way there. Either way. OK. Uh, Gilles Muller against Joe Wilfred Songer. And Muller won a title coming into this. He's already had the title at the start of this year. He's a lovely man. It's a horrible match day, for anyone that's he not... He won a title and has two little boys on court with a trophy. Love that. But Joe Wilfred Songer, he's an exciting player. He's a big player. Yes, he can blow as hot and cold as the next person but I would like to see Songa coming through that but it's going to be if Songa's not fully mentally 100% focused it will be game over yeah Jumal is the man there to mop up your remains isn't he if you're not quite on your game on grass he's there to mop up your the sh- no she's just looking at me like um, yes I think we all know what I was trying to say there yes. Grigor Dimitrov against Julian Beneto. now obviously Beneto winning there would be the surprise come through I'm qualifying say one today straight sets will lose five games he did look sharp as a knife yesterday didn't he yeah so I'm just gonna put that I'm not gonna sharp put my house knife? on is it that a, is it sharp as a tack that's what people say. I'm not anyway, knives are sharp as on well. Any of these predictions? But no houses go going on anything. John Bishop, if you're yeah. listening, Thomas Burdick against Dennis Shapovalov. Match of the day, surely that one. Yes, yeah, because it's ne- hashtag next gen <laughs> again. Hashtag against hashtag what gen is Thomas Burdick? Is Forgot- that your hashtag? forgotten gen? Hashtag had a really good career, <laughs> but not sure which path I'm taking now, gen. Catchy. Hashtag looking for a coach. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he is looking? How actively do you think he's looking? I think he and is And who would take that job? It's I, a tough job. Can I just say that I think he is looking because he is someone who, it doesn't matter what age he is, he wants to change something. And I remember speaking to him a couple of years ago in Indian Wells and he said, I want to change. I want to make that step up. I want to be going past the quarterfinals. I want to stay in the top ten. That's why he hired Goran Ivanisevic. He wanted to change something. Goran Ivanisevic took Marin Cilic to the US Open title. He wanted someone to do but something it, like that. How much change him. is possible in his game? I, he has an A game. I, I honestly don't when know. It, when it's completely on song, he's capable of beating most people in the world. But when it's with, not, there's no plan B. The difficulty with Thomas Burdick is the movement. And you're not going to change the movement of someone who's over 30. That will never improve the level he wants to improve it. But what I admire and respect about Thomas Burdick, apart from the career he's had up to this date, is he keeps wanting to... Some players will be happy drifting, sitting playing quarterfinals going home I like the fact that he wants to maximise the talent maybe he's maximised it but I like the fact that he's still searching for some answers he may never find the answers but I like the fact that he's willing to try yeah I completely agree I think that's going to be a cracking match against Shapovalov uh, he's got nothing to lose has the Canadian Thomas Burdick doesn't really have anything to lose does he? he he'll want to prove something but there's no pressure on his shoulders no one's talking about him I think it's going to be very interesting 
tomorrow. It's going to be a very interesting tournament. Talk about an opportunity for someone with the top three C's out. Big, big opportunity. Marin Cilic, who beat John Isner in the final match of the day today, he is now the top seed remaining. And Gigi just pointed out, pointed to the name, the looming name of Mr. Sam Query. We didn't mention him. And he we didn't mention him. Today. He beat Cameron Norrie champion today. Here. He's a former champion. You never know. You never know. Sam Curry could do it. And on that thought, we'll leave you with the thought of Sam Query, champion here in 2010, potentially lifting the trophy again. Someone's got to. It's a big, big opportunity. And we'll be back tomorrow with another tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport from the Aegon Championships 2017. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW.